Our guest this week, we have Pat Cunningham with the Grady County Historical Society. Pat, always good to have you on the program. It's great to be here. And we also have Oklahoma author and historian John Dwyer from uh, the Duncan area, but uh, makes occasional visits up here to Chickasha. John, welcome back. Well, it's great to be here, sir. Always great to visit with you and Pat. All right. And the big reason we're here, Pat, is we've got to your big annual meeting coming up. And, uh, of course, we want to talk about all the exciting new things at the, at the museum. But uh, it's uh, always uh, a challenge at the museum, is it not? It is a challenge every day, it seems like. But uh, basically, we're here to share with everyone that we're past the COVID lockdown. And for the first time in three years, we're having a, an annual dinner where people can come, eat, and listen to a, a our speaker, and for the second time, John Dwyer will be there to share his latest book. He came uh, three years ago to share the first book on Oklahoma, and uh, we're rather excited that we will be meeting at the community building at the fairgrounds uh, on Monday, November 7th at 6.30, and we have mailed out invitations, but if people would like to attend, just call us at the museum at 405 405- Two two four six four eight zero, or drop by, and we'll be glad to uh, put them on the reservation list, and everyone can come and meet John on November the seventh. And buy a book. And <laughs> by all means, buy a book. Uh, yeah, and he will have them. Will you have both of them there for sale, or just the one? Uh, we'll have both of them. Yes, okay, ma'am. that's great. So. Uh, in other words, they have to bring the $100 with them or a uh, credit card or something. Plus the tip, yes. Yeah. Plus the tip. You might get yeah. a little closer on your mic there, John. Yes, sir. Yeah. Be, be good yeah, to go. Okay. So, All yeah, right, so okay. Monday, November 7th. Right. Good deal. So, John, uh, the pandemic shut a lot of folks down. How did that affect you as an author and, and your work? Well, that's a great question, George. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I thought I kind of had things all wrapped up. Some of your listeners know, are familiar with our Oklahomans books, that volume one that Pat referred to, uh, that, that goes from ancient Oklahoma history up through statehood. Uh, and then volume two that take, picks it up from there and goes uh, up to the present. Well, uh, end of 2019, I was feeling pretty good. I thought, wow, I've got this second one wrapped up. It's kind of got a happy ending to it. You know, the economy was roaring. We were energy independent and respected uh, across the world again and all those things uh, in that distant uh, past of almost three years ago. Uh, And then a nasty little uh, virus hit and uh, took me a while to figure out as I guess it did everyone, what exactly was happening, especially as you remember a lot of other things occurred that complicated our our national life uh, in addition to the actual uh, health problems. And uh, at first I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to have to add a paragraph or maybe two on COVID-19 to our book. And then as it kind of broadened and deepened, I thought, well, it might have to be a page or two. And then finally I thought, no, God, am I going to have to write another chapter on this book? And <laughs> You know, people have been waiting on the thing ever since Volume 1 came out uh, almost six years ago now, and, and that's what happened. But even though it not necessarily wound up with as happy an ending as the book might originally had, I think it was a more powerful ending. In fact, uh, as Pat knows, we added an entire additional chapter that I wrote on the 2020s decade. And yes, I think we all know, even though it's a couple of years into the decade only, there has been plenty of uh, history that's taken place 
not just in America, but in Oklahoma. So somebody said, well, gosh, you know, how far up to date is your book? You know, what does it go up to? And I said, well, it was about the time I had to hit the send button uh, last winter to get it off to the printer. It is very much up to date and covers the challenges along with inspiring stories of Oklahomans in particular, how they stood up, defied a lot of the tyranny that was coming down on us, uh, weathered and braved the fears and the terrors, and uh, set their their jaw like flint the last couple of years to uh, continue to build a country and a state uh, that we want our children and grandchildren to grow up in. So does this book include uh, the bombing? Or is that uh, absolutely okay. it does? In fact, we have uh, the federal mo- the Murrah building. Yes, what sir. I'm referring to yeah, uh, the Murrah building. We have most of a chapter uh, devoted to that, and I'm going to say on that uh, feature. And by the way, those of you that aren't familiar, our, our website you can actually see a two-minute preview video on this book that's very powerful. Uh, you can see lots of other information on the book, excerpts, uh, uh, critical you know endorsements, and so forth. At John J. Dwyer, uh, that's John Middleinitial J. Dwyer, D W Y E R dot com. But uh, yes, uh, the bombing, the Murrah bo- Building bombing in 1995, George. That's one of many stories since statehood in Oklahoma that uh, I'm humbled to say that our book, Volume Two of the Oklahomans brings fresh research and historical uh, uh, investigation to material that uh, you're not going to have seen in any other book. That's one reason it takes us a while to get our books out is we do, in fact, that's one reason why Dr. Bob Blackburn, the longtime executive director of the Oklahoma Historical Society, wanted me to do this project way back in 2005. I said, well, there's a lot of other good historical authors in this state. I said, why are you picking on me? And he said, because he had read my Civil War textbook, A War Between the States, America's Uncivil War. He said, I know that you will do your own research and investigate. You have a journalistic background. So that's one thing, those of you that are listening, uh, you will get an Oklahoma history book that tells the good, the bad, uh, the outrageous, and the inspiring, including a lot of material that you won't have seen in any previous Oklahoma history book. All right. How about uh, weather conditions and such? Uh, always tornadoes to talk about. And these days we've got the drought. Yes, sir. So, well, uh, we've got uh, on those two topics, we've got a, a chapter entitled The Dust Bowl. And by the way, if you're like me, talking to those of you listening out there, sometimes a state history, a, a national history book can become confusing. You forget where you're at in the history with all the dates and names. And so, our, our trademark, George, has always been to split our book up into easily digestible pieces. Uh, that means the chapters are done by decades. You've got uh, date lines, timelines at the beginning of each chapter. You've got dates on the tops of the pages. We have our uh, articles split out in nice little color boxes and so forth where you can, you know, before you go to bed at night, sit lay down and read five or ten minutes worth and, and get a good article before bedtime. But you mentioned uh, the weather. Uh, weather is one of the great themes, one of the sometimes uh, awful themes of Oklahoma history. Uh, it's helped make our state. I'm going to suggest it's helped make the people a resilient, tough, and also kind and sympathetic people, compassionate people, because of what we've suffered through with the weather. So we have a one chapter that's entitled The Dust Bowl uh, that hits that 
you know, epic 1930s saga of what happened here. Although we revisit, uh, most people don't know we had a second Dust Bowl in the 1950s. We talk about that in the 1950s chapter. Uh, you mentioned the wind. Uh, the final chapter in the book, just before the new 2020s chapter, is called Wind and War. And we break out in that chapter uh, the uh, historic uh, tornadoes of 2013 and more, El Reno and elsewhere, Union City. Uh, the previous chapter uh, dives into the 1999 uh, 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 more tornado. May 3rd. Uh, May 3rd, yep. yeah. So May 3rd. Came right through Grady County and uh, Bridge Creek. So that was that's, that's a huge. That was my first major tornado, I think, uh, covering uh, the news that, that I've done over the many, many years. So Will you? You've hit on yeah. another subject that I think most of uh, your listeners, George, will appreciate. And growing up in western Oklahoma myself, just down the highway in Duncan, uh, Chickasha Fighting Chicks were always one of our biggest rivals. The Duncan Demons have spent a lot of tough evenings in uh, Chickasha playing football and basketball. But because of that, I'm very well aware that the typical Oklahoma history book, uh, it focuses on Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and a lot of the eastern Oklahoma history. And out here, the Southern Plains gets short shrift. Well, we've taken care of that in these Oklahoma history books. Uh, both those tornadoes, May 3rd and May 20, we make it real clear. Bridge Creek, Grady County, Chickasha, we talk about how those tornadoes picked up and roared there. And in fact, you're going to see uh, all through these books a rich inclusion of the history of this area. Uh, the Chisholm Trail and the events of that in Volume 1. In Volume 2, one of the features we're really excited about, George, and I think you've seen this, is in, a, in an attempt, just an additional element to try to make these books as accessible to the public and to young people as possible, more so than a lot of the books we were bored with in our own uh, school years, books that had no pictures, made us memorize names of governors that had long since died. Well, uh, one of the great features of Volume 2 is the graphic novel, comic book style um, illustrations that are all through the book. There's 30 or 40 pages of these spread through the book by none other than Jerry Bennett. And some of y'all I know recognize that name. He's the artist in residence at USAO. He's also a USAO grad. So I think you're going to be really excited to see a, a local person, a local, uh, one of the great artists of Oklahoma, his imagination and talent all the way through the book. You and I were discussing earlier the battle with the Dixie Mafia. How many of us even knew there was a Dixie Mafia? Well, I remember going to school when I was in ninth grade one morning and hearing the radio story of how a kindergarten teacher in Bristol was blown up in her pickup truck getting ready to go to school. Dixie Mafia did that. So Jerry uh, Bennett just powerfully and grippingly chronicles uh, Oklahoma's fight against the Dixie Mafia in multiple illustrations in the book. It's fascinating. Looking forward to uh, going through that. That's going to be very, very, very nice. Pat, let's talk about a little bit more about the museum uh, right now and some uh, new things that have happened over the last year. Yes, the museum has been blessed in that we have gotten donations almost weekly. And right now, in the well, since from the summer and for this trimester, we now have interns from USAO, and I understand that we will have one coming for the spring trimester as well. They've been a great benefit. Uh, we had finally have a volunteer uh, 
uh, Stephen Lair now comes in, uh, the young Mormon missionaries. Uh, we have from two to three young women, and they have been leaving them on for about four, five, or six rotations. So our uh, photographs and original document collections are being scanned. Uh, we've been working with the Oklahoma History Center, and they have scanned all of our uh, panorama photos, and they have uh, completed 105. They have two more that I've got to get back to add to it. And then we uh, have gotten four grants in the last uh, three years, and one of those will allow them, once we get everything with our new website that's being developed and completed, uh, that people can go in and look at what we have, uh, the part that they're allowed to look at. There are some things like uh, gift agreements and things will always remain personal, but they will not be able to copy. If they want to copy, they can come and see us. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they uh, between looking at our website and always, it will also be uh, where you can go through the Oklahoma history part on the Gateway to History. Uh, hopefully within the year we have all that completed we received a grant for that and again the grants paid for two uh, awesome computers the two scanners uh, we now have state uh, the metal uh, bookshelves which are required for archival purposes in every room uh, we have the special archival boxes and things for the textiles and other things and a lot of the volunteers that have been coming in have been working in that. We have uh, three great donations that I won't tell you what they are just yet because we need to go pick those up. Hopefully but we can he, know by the banquet or the meeting. He, yes, Maybe? Uh, right. Okay. And, and if you come to the banquet, uh, not only will you get to li listen to um, Mr. Dwyer, but also... Um, I have a feeling there will be a slideshow or a PowerPoint. There will be one from the uh, director's report, my report, that will show the displays that we've had during the past year and with the emphasis on the new donations. If you walk into the building right now, you will see two new donations. One of them is a um, ammo box that a volunteer brought. But uh, Kirk Sperling brought his dad's uh, surveying equipment, and that is there, which has been awesome. We also had a great furniture collection brought back this summer from Cody, Wyoming. In that hot, hot weather, these dear uh, uh, Robert Owsley and his wife, Pat, drove a pickup and pulled a trailer which had a love seat an armchair, a slipper chair, a corner chair, and a beautiful table that belonged about uh, in the Owsley house. And the furniture probably dates 1910. And we've been promised more, so keep fingers crossed. That's fascinating. And that stuff is on display in the museum right now. So uh, just come in and look. We change things often. Mm -hmm. And there's also a Facebook that uh, belongs um, for the museum. Matter of fact, during the fair, I didn't think anyone was looking at the critters because they, with the numbers kept growing for the photos that we had from the 1940s of the fairgrounds that we had. And uh, the same with right now, 
uh, we have photos on the football stadiums. And most people in this town had no idea the original football stadium was on Grand Avenue. I've been seeing some of those on Facebook, and there's yeah. some, there's some folks that uh, is is this still around or what's there now? And yeah, uh, pretty it, fascinating. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, Grand, any, Grand Avenue School and Bill Wallace are located on that site. Any photos of the fair when it was held at Shannon Springs Park? Uh, not at the park. We have the. Uh, we do have one earlier that just shows um, a bandstand, basically, um, a set of bleachers. Uh, but it's a group that had been out shooting crows, and we don't <laughs> promote that one. <laughs> but the old original wooden buildings uh, that shows all the women's um, displays and the 4-H club things and that kind of thing, we've had up before. But... The fun part was looking at the buildings, open air arena, where they were showing their sheep and everybody's having to sit out and you know in the sun and the wind and the dirt, <laughs> this kind of thing. And yes. now, people don't realize how blessed they are to have even the one arena that's not air conditioned is an improvement over what was there. <laughs> and then there's the you know the brand new state of the art one mm-hmm. that is air air conditioned, and then. Uh, those buildings were built, you know, in 1938, but they've been remodeled twice to where we now have the state-of-the-art stuff, basically, for the state. And I hope people really appreciate that because there is a, a great piece of history, including the fact that the fairgrounds was not always used as the fairgrounds. It was uh, one of the two POW camps. Most people do not realize there were two in town. There was the crew that was out at the fairgrounds for nine months here to harvest crops, and 100 young men who were at the Borden General Hospital for maintenance during that period of time. Now, that uh, that I was not aware of. Interesting. Uh, uh, we have um, a couple of books that document that. So, But the I remember when they harvested the crops on the farm where I grew up. I was three years old at the time, and I can remember when the— uh, one guard came up to the house at noon with a truck driven by one of the prisoners to pick up the meal because Mama had to prepare the noontime meal for the both days that they were there doing the harvesting the broom corn. And I was hanging out on the fence watching everything going on. And <clears throat> I remember the guard saying, little girl, don't you think you need to move back? Little girl did not move back. <laughs> I still was hanging on the fence because standing behind me was my Uncle Truman's German Shepherd dog named Danger. Who Danger had been there since the day I was born, and she thought her whole job in life was to guard me. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. And I was there the second day also. That's funny. And That's... we have, and the museum has copies of the manifest of all of the young men who came to harvest the crops and their serial numbers. It's a great story. And lots more at the museum. Yes. Uh, so we're kind of talking about POWs and, uh, you know, the Grady County's uh, got a great history with the military, especially with the uh, Army Reserves, the uh, National Guard unit that was here. So anything in your books about uh, about about that? 
Yes, uh, we were talking about earlier, uh, George, how the typical Oklahoma history book uh, pays pretty short attention to western Oklahoma, but having grown up in Duncan myself just down the road, it's always important to me to make sure we spotlight that. And indeed, we've got an entire full-page color map of Oklahoma in our uh, enormous World War II chapter in, in Volume 2 of the Oklahomans that shows all the locations of the POW camps across Oklahoma. There were there were over 30 of them, and of course, uh, Chickasha is included in that. And I have a little bit of a personal connection there, Pat, because my own mother went to uh, the Oklahoma College for Women. And of course, the forerunner of USAL, her freshman year is right in the middle of the war, 1943-44. And I remember when we were kids, she told us her memory of driving down the street and seeing one of the German PLWs walking down the street with sacks of groceries. I guess they would send them, you know, guys that were well-behaved and all, they would send them off-site, off the fairgrounds location. He was one of the fairgrounds guys. And they would go get groceries and bring them back. And she said she she remembered that her entire life, being amazed that she would see the PLWs um, walking around uh, town. But apparently there was never any... Uh, incidents or any problems. In fact, like you say, her remembrance was a lot of the farming families uh, really appreciated them. And some friends, I've spoken at the Tillman County Historical Society before, Frederick down there, they had a POW camp and they said some of the German prisoners came back after the war. They liked the people of Oklahoma so much and they they started a new life in Oklahoma post-war. There was one who came here and there was another one who went to western Oklahoma and he became mayor of the town. They'd had very little problems with the enlisted men. Uh, officers, that's uh, another category. Really? Yes. Interesting. All right, so Pat, uh, anything else uh, new at the library or at the museum? <laughs> uh, just, uh, just like you say, evening, something evening, every week, right? A, yeah. a something every week. Uh, we're always surprised at we had a gentleman th- this last week who brought in an oval photo of his grandmother and left it. Uh, a lot of people are doing that. Uh, a lot of people are going through their things, and how we're getting things has really changed in that we're getting entire family collections. And that's great from a museum point of view, but you also wonder about family. You know, some things... Is because there's not a, a, enough family left to, to keep it or to care for it or why or how to divide it. But uh, whenever we get it, we care for it and take care of it. And I have noticed that some of the families, then they come back and look at it, uh, which is, you know, the whole point of this. And so uh, we're running out of room uh, kind of thing. Uh, the other thing that we've been focusing on is uh, trying to, keep the elevator going especially for freight we don't allow anybody else you know in it except me when i get in it i have the phone in my pocket and the snack in the other kind of thing. <laughs> but uh we're we're finally beginning to get some repairs to where i think we'll be able to continue to use it for at least freight the board doesn't want to put any more money in it than necessary because our emphasis will have to be on its replacement, but uh, it hasn't kept us from doing our job. Uh, free free admission to the museum, right? Always, mm-hmm. but there is a donation box, 
and Imp- many people are very generous. Please uh, give generously. That's right. Yeah, that's important. Uh, right. Uh, that's very, very important. And believe it or not, another very important thing is sign the guest book. Uh, you would be amazed at where people are coming from. Uh, the number from out of state, uh, from um, other places in Oklahoma, but the people from out of state and then around the world. that Give us gave, some examples. Like, uh, recent. Yeah. One the other day was in here from Jacksonville, Florida. He had come a year ago and left a donation, um, an awesome box from Boy Scouts with all of the memorabilia inside that he had, and also a Boy Scout leader uniform, the only one we have like that. He came through with his wife and showed her what he had brought us, that kind of thing. Uh, We had um, people in... I uh, see from I'm trying to think there was some California and uh, Colorado we've had a lot of people from Texas you know where the only place we haven't gotten only state we haven't gotten anybody from is West Virginia but, but Alaska and Hawaii are definitely have been in huh that's, oh that's, yes wow. we have Alaska and Hawaii in 15 to 18 foreign countries but no West Virginia we gotta we gotta call West Virginia. <laughs> There are people in this town who have relatives in West Virginia. They need to come and visit. Have a reunion and uh, be down at the museum. Yeah, and we also had the class of um, 64, I think, or 66. Anyway, um, it was one of uh, the years that Harley Day was principal. um, Before he was principal and he was a basketball coach. Mm -hmm. And... uh, one of those classes in and the manager of the team don lister was one of the group and uh he got to see the basketball that had the names of the members and his name on there as the manager so, that's great yeah <laughs> <laughs> lots of things at the grady county historical society museum may i suggest you stop by soon and often so pat thanks for coming in today thank you for having me john good to see you again and have you on the program and looking forward to uh reading the book it's going to be fascinating against you and you're the guest speaker at the november 7th uh, annual meeting for the historical society yes sir and our website folks can reach out and i correspond with everybody that reaches out to us lots of information on our books lots of tapes of my talks uh john j dwyer dwyer.com it's all free on there john j dwyer.com all right thanks a bunch